0: The enemy tanks have
1: stopped.
0: Why? Why waste precious tanks when they can pick us off from the air like fish in a barrel? It's coming back round. It's coming back round! Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Hollywood Rx. The doctors are in. We are back in service after many production delays, hiatus, <laughs> what have you. Dr. D, how have you been?
1: I am, uh, I have been great. Uh, it's unbelievable that we're back together again. And I'm very excited to share this particular discussion with our listeners. Um, so we don't have to uh, do too much uh pageantry ahead of time, we can we can dive in, and I am dying to hear your uh short take on Dunkirk.
0: Well for those of our listening audience, Dunkirk of course, by now you've heard of it. It's Christopher Nolan's World War II epic about the evacuation from the beach of Dunkirk by the British Army. Uh, if I had to put it in one word, the word would be,
1: wow. <laughs> I can live with that word. Uh,
0: I, was, uh, <clears throat> I was pretty knocked out by it. I, 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 felt, I felt that it was, while impersonal, still a riveting experience from a humanity point of view um and it 's only grown on me since having seen it in the last uh two weeks or so what uh what is your prognosis sir
1: <laughs> that's a good one um yeah it was uh, i think wow is a great way to put it uh, i found it i found it thought provoking and uh uh moving and i i just thought you know my one word would be special i think I think okay. it's a special piece of work.
0: Fair enough. I I do hear some resist, some hesitance on your <laughs> part to uh, to uh, release the brakes and go full on into the uh, the excellence station. Why is that?
1: Well, uh, just as for a short take, I felt like yours was so powerful. I didn't have I didn't have a way of enriching oh, or or broadening on that. So try not to be so good when you start. Give a little room for no. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. 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 Oh geez. Um, I, I'm Sorry, I it wasn't it was, rusty enough I mean, after all this time. I I thought it was. I th- I don't know. I thought I thought it was terrific. I recommend it. People should go and see it. There's no question about it. So. Um, that's my 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 short version of it. It's not to say that I didn't uh have anything that you know I need to break open with you and reexamine because I think maybe you at this point might get parts of it better than I got but so there oh, were, I don't know, about but that. otherwise <laughs> but otherwise um yeah, so uh, you know i'll just I'll just continue. That's sort of the end of my short take, and I will say that I thought that the performances were incredibly strong throughout a cast that, to me, is, was largely unknown, although they may well have, um, you know...
0: Yeah, no, uh, no, they, they were all very unknown to me. I was, I was prepared for you to come in and start rattling off all these BBC TV programs that they've all been in, and, you know... <laughs>
1: um,
0: no, I didn't, even, I didn't even recognize Harry Styles in here. I was... Uh, I barely recognized uh,
1: Tom Hardy. Well, yeah, it was it was tricky because they don't give a lot of um, don't give him a lot of FaceTime. Certainly. Um, yeah, I didn't. I knew Harry so Styles was in it, but I didn't really know, like what a Harry Styles looked like. So it was easy enough for me not to not to recognize him in the course of uh, in the course of watching it. Um,
0: yeah. But and, I, and everyone just seems so handsome these days. It's not like you can say, oh, look for the, <laughs> you know, incredibly dashing one. Well, they all look dashing.
1: Yeah. Um, and, but what I was going to say is that none of them stood out as being so terrible that I went, oh, that must be Harry Styles. Here's the thing. Uh, Chris Nolan knows what the fuck he's doing. And mm-hmm. he is not going to cast Harry Styles so that he'll get a bunch of 13-year-old girls to go see his movie. He's going to cast him because that that actor can do what he needs him to do. And so yeah. I was I was sort of prophesizing with my I saw it with my wife and teenage voice 117 119 I was talking to the 17 year old and he had been talking about going to this movie for months and was really excited cuz he's a fan of Chris Nolans and uh he said afterwards that if he had known Harry Styles was in it he never would have gone um and so hmm. we we talked a little bit about uh Mr Styles performance and then um and I said here's the thing It's quite possible that he is never going to do this well again in a movie, Um, because it could be right because he
0: might actually have to, you know, act. Right, that that side lines. He he may
1: he may have been very well placed within his
0: very well convincing
1: within his convincing range to to do this. And I said, so mark my words, he may never give a better performance, but. Uh, that doesn't preclude the fact that he might not become a movie star.
0: I found it interesting that Nolan seemed to very deliberately want to not personalize these characters. We didn't get any backstory. We got nothing about their desires, their psyches or anything. It seemed to me like he wanted this to be... He wanted this to re- that the movie was really more about the archetypal experience yes. of the event, rather than rather than having us, you know, feel viscerally what someone's going through. And yet, I was also riveted. I was when those guys were in the, that derelict boat and shots were coming. I was, I was white knuckled. Um, likewise, the some of the dog fights. I thought. You know, it it it. I think it, it sort of forced you to. I mean, you know, you do it or you don't do it. You accept it, you don't accept it. Um, but I think it basically relied on human empathy as 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 the prime motivator for the audience. To connect with this movie
1: right right kind of odd ra- rather than knowing oh this one has a girl back home and that one's mother is waiting for him and adding on right. all this sort of melodrama to it or this soap opera and to thank it. god he avoided
0: those cliches
1: right well it would have been two hours and 27 minutes um it, it was very tight wasn't it yes it was
0: as uh, as has been noted all over the place. It's yeah. his shortest movie.
1: I was yeah. I was very shocked, not just because, oh, he makes these long movies, but because the nature of what it was, um, it's easy to understand how it might be that much longer, um, even without yeah. including, you know, you could just have had more conversations between soldiers that didn't necessarily reveal a lot about the background or whatever. You could have learned who they were a little bit little bit more. Um, and that would have made it longer, but not necessarily better. Um
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I thought I, I thought I had fallen asleep. I didn't know how short it was gonna be going <laughs> in and suddenly.
1: Oh my god, that's funny. Suddenly it was <laughs> suddenly over. the credits are
0: rolling and I'm yeah. like, I must have I must have I must have checked out. Um so There's I no mean a Nolan movie would be that short.
1: I, I think that's a really interesting um, thing to look at is how, how they were much more every across the boards.
0: And yeah, and I found that to be uh almost a reversal I think from uh from Interstellar which I felt compounded a science fiction story with a lot of personal drama. Yes. And that, that's actually one of that's actually what works for me in Interstellar is the fact that it, there's this there's there's this human very human dilemma at the heart of right. all the events going around and it, it It's as if he intentionally wanted to do the complete opposite with this movie
1: well here's the thing is that is that is that science fiction in and of itself um we all sort of shine the light on the science fictiony part of it, but really the whole one of the whole points with science fiction is to have this sort of futuristic or scientific advancements or this a different world in which it's set, but the purpose of it is to then highlight the humanity of the characters and so what you were saying about uh, Interstellar is like the perfect execution of science fiction in a sense. Um, whereas, as much fun as say the first Alien movie is, as far as getting to know people, it's much more like this, because there's not a lot that you learn right. about anybody. Um,
0: right. Because right, an alien as in here, they're more types than individuals. Right.
1: Um, so. Uh, I just want to highlight a couple of other performances. Uh, unfortunately, s- some of these young men, even though they were really very good, they kind of uh, they sort of blurred for me a little bit. Blurred. and I didn't,
0: yeah me too I
1: didn't necessarily pick them out except for actors that I was already familiar with, uh for example, uh you know Mark Rylance, if that's in fact how his name is pronounced.
0: How do you uh, where do you know him from?
1: Oh, he was in the bridge of Spies. Uh, ah, okay. He, he received... Which
0: I've heard referenced I've heard reference with this movie.
1: Yeah. Uh, he won an he won an Oscar for his performance in Bridge of Spies.
0: Oh that guy.
1: Yeah. He's a stage okay. actor who is sort of I think coming to movies or getting noticed in movies later in his career. And I gotcha. really liked him in this. He's plays the 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 sort of the boat the civilian boat that we focus on. He's the father there. Um, right. who was who was uh, piloting that uh, that craft and I thought he did a, just yeah. a, a wonderful job and there was one point I can't even really point to exactly what it was but he had a line that was something like you know we've got a job to do and then he had exactly the same sentence a second time I'm not sure if that's hmm. exactly what it was or not and he said it a second time but the second time he said it he made this gesture with his hand that just add, I don't even, I can't even really describe it, but it just amplified the emotional you know context of it in such a way that I'm like, that's why you hire this guy because he's not going to get a ton of screen time, but he's going to come up with these small things, these small little looks or gestures or whatever yeah. you were you were behind him, you weren't even looking at his face, but his hand became as emotive as a face would be um, so I was just like, I was thrilled to see him there and and loved every minute of the time on that boat. I loved that fucking red turtleneck sweater on his kid. (laughs) That was brilliant. That was so perfect with that blonde hair. Oh, I was so in love with that kid. Um, Uh. (laughs) uh, And uh, who else did I want to single out? Um, Well, uh, Killian Murphy? Yeah. Uh, I thought he did a fine job. I, I wasn't super... In love with his he 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 serviced it, but I d I don't know. What did you think of him?
0: I I find him generally a tough actor to warm up to. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's just because of all the roles he's you know, that he's had before the Chris Nolan movies or um Red Eye or whatever that thing was. Um Yeah, I don't know. I guess Maybe because of all that, I felt like he he sort of came with a little bit of baggage. I was waiting for his character to really turn bad.
1: Oh, okay. Not
0: in a not in a sympathetic way, but like I was expecting him to do much worse than he actually ends up doing. I liked how he I liked that they they had his character just basically sort of be shell shocked and Yeah. And and, and not quite realize the consequences of his actions. You know, that that he doesn't get what happened to that kid. I like that.
1: Right, right.
0: But yeah, I think I I basically agree with you. I felt he was was serviceable in this. I think the only line of his that I really liked his delivery on was when he was getting really frustrated at Mark and says, You should be at home. (laughs) Because somehow I have the feeling like that... That that little micro conflict probably came up a lot yeah. during the war. Yeah. That, that 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 generational divide, and uh, and Rylance's, uh, retort was pretty uh, pretty spot on.
1: And what did he say? I'm sorry, I've forgotten.
0: I, uh, he said something to the effect of, uh, "You know, it's, it's my generation that started this thing, so right, uh, we're not. I'm not just going to sit home and or something like that." Yeah. Um,
1: and it isn't it wasn't just necessarily generational when he said you should be at home it was also the idea that i'm a soldier and you are not versus. yeah um yeah leaving,
0: no that's true leaving that's true.
1: aside the fact that that mark's character mr dawson could have been in any number of wars he wouldn't you know this is true he it might prob- have... and, and
0: if i i probably was a world war 1 veteran yeah
1: would be my guess so uh Oh, In fact,
0: the way he the way he descri- the way he describes Killian Murphy's character's predicament to uh, was it George Georgie the, the the younger one? Yeah. Kind of, you know. Like, oh, he's not well, son. You know, it, there was something about <laughs> it that sort of had the air of I've seen this before.
1: Right. Right. And.
0: And, and, that's, and that's him. That, that's that's Rylands because he adds a real authenticity
1: absolutely. to that character. And there's just kind of like a—I'm um, not saying this isn't true of Americans or other people with other nationalities, but there's—and there's, uh, and I'm thinking—maybe what I'm thinking more of is this, this older generation, or several generations back now, but just this kind of stalwart, we'll do what has to be done— and yeah. this, like, it's just this sort of built-in bravery, or what I don't even know how to call how to call it. But it's not like he sees himself as a hero, or that he's doing anything extraordinary. He's just doing what needs to be done. And there's just something simple and solid about that kind of British tradition. Um, yes,
0: I was going to say very British. Um, he reminded me of Alec Guinness in Bridge on the River Kwai. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, there, there, there's that scene where, you know, the guy, the 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 prisoners are trying to sabotage the bridge that they're building, and and he says, he he gives his little speech where he says, you know, there will there will be a hundred years there will be a sign here saying this bridge was built by British officers,
1: right? right.
0: I.e., we're going to make it the best damn bridge we can. Uh huh. And that same, it, it, it's it's part of what you were just describing there, yeah. that sort of very stoic. Uh, Pride, I guess, would be mm-hmm. the only word I can think of for and it. And
1: I actually could have seen him playing this part, the Mister Dawson part, if it were, if he were with us, or it was a different time, or whatever. He would have been. He would have brought a lot of that same. And it would have
0: been very nice to see him uh, after, you know, spending the last few years of his life playing larger-than-life characters, and you know, yeah. for being known as Ben Obi Wan Kenobi, that would have been nice to see him revert back to. Simple everyman. Yeah. Yeah. Not 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 such a big personality. Yes, he would have done it. He would have he would have done a smashing job.
1: Right. Oh, I say. love the word smashing, yes. Um, uh, Tom Hardy, I found that section very engaging, the aerial portion yeah. of the of the of the fun. And was just my wife was just like Why are they covering up his face? He's got a beautiful face. Just show it. And I thought we are not gonna see any more of his face than we already have, in a way. Um, but I just I thought that he was terrific. I really do like him. He
0: he I, I do too. He he had single handedly my my favorite moment in the movie, which is it's when he's out of fuel. He sees that his, his 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 buddy landed, and he starts flying away. Looks back, realizes, if I don't take like, yeah, I'm either going home, or I got to try to take this guy out because right. he's going to take out those guys. Yeah, and he just does it all with eyes, just this resignation, yeah. like, yeah, I got to do it even if I don't get home. Yeah, and it just—I don't know—it gave me
1: chills. I, I um, don't think there are a lot of other actors who could sell that with just their, with just their eyes. There's a lot of people who are very well-known actors who are making millions of dollars who you look in their eyes and there's just nobody there sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, and he was really able to communicate, uh, you know, complicated thought process, complicated emotional stuff with very, very little, uh, just truly yeah. remarkable. Uh,
0: friends of mine had gone to when, when you were saying about, the, about his face. Friends of mine uh, had gone to the, uh, the premiere of uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. Which, uh, as you know, he spends a healthy chunk of that movie with a mask on. Yeah. And my friend said that when, when they finally took that, that mask off his face, he said people in the audience gasped.
1: Because
0: he's just so fucking handsome, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> um, and he is. Um, and so I was reading just on this note, on this portion, I was reading a little bit of a thing interview with uh, uh, Chris Nolan. And so um, I, I, I'm fairly certain that the his that Tom Hardy's work with Chris Nolan as Bane in the Batman series predates the Mad Max um movie. oh yeah, it yeah
0: definitely does
1: but yeah. they they were asking you know chris nolan why he nolan uh covers up his face so much <laughs> and he was so he basically what he said in the interview was that that uh, chris himself was so kind of impressed with what um tom hardy was able to do as bane when he had you know a third of his face covered and all he had was a, you know his forehead and his eyes and you know what i mean mm-hmm. and uh and so yeah. he said i you know what let's see what he can just do with his eyes and i'm going to take his body away too you know so uh he knew what he was he was doing he just he knew that was the actor for the part and that's what i mean about the harry styles thing is he he knows what he wants but i do think it's a funny sub category that tom hardy is quickly becoming a uh a leading master at, which is performing with only a portion of your face showing. I can only think of, um, you know, Hannibal Lecter is the only other part that comes to mind, uh, in silence, the lambs where you, but even he didn't have to do it the entire time. And that already happened in the middle. We were already scared of him by then.
0: And and he did a very effective job in those scenes where his face is covered. Right. Um, uh,
1: now, I feel terrible because I'm completely spacing on the actor from Silence Anthony of the- Hopkins. Thank you very much. It was going to bother me later. Um, and then one other of the, you know, well-known actors in it uh, that I feel like is worth touching on is, uh, uh, I'm forgetting his name, the director, actor, Shakespeare.
0: <laughs> Branna. Kenneth Branagh, man, I I, I have to say, I was very relieved he did not have a bigger part and that there was no scene for him to start chewing.
1: (laughs) Right. I'm convinced that he got the part for his ability to have, without any dialogue, uh, have his face change from one mood to another. Because there are those two big shots where he looks, and in one of them he maybe takes his hat off, but he sees something coming. In one case, it's it's an airplane coming to bomb them, probably. And then the second time yeah. you see it, you're thinking, "Oh my God, what now?" And then it cuts to the wide shot and reveals the armada that's arriving to save them. But in both cases, yeah. it's it's all about what he can do with his, you know, a turn of his head and a and a and a revelation in his eyes, kind of a thing. Um, yeah. And and I thought he did those excellently, and I agree with you. Let's be glad that he didn't have a lot of other, a lot of other stuff uh, to do there for that. There's one last now, uh I, I, Yeah, go on.
0: Yeah, well, I was going to say. Well, I was going to turn to uh, some of the cons of the movie.
1: <laughs> okay, we can do that in one second. I just want to. I want to give a shout nope. out to Michael Caine. Oh, for goodness' sake! <laughs> I just liked that Nolan included him. That's all. Okay. Fair right. enough. Okay. Now um, have at it.
0: The Okay, well like you said before, there was a there was a tendency, especially with uh the Everyone in the Land segment, the, there was a little bit of uh homonymity, homonymity between the faces of the actors. Yeah. Um bigger problem I had with it was the first title card.
1: Yes.
0: And the use of the word mole.
1: Absolutely.
0: Which, I yeah, because I'm, I'm guessing that, like me, you also had no idea that a mole also refers to, a, what would you call it, a jetty or a, like a right. dock and... Something that they build out from shore into the water. So as soon as it so as soon as I see the kid, Fian yeah, Fian Whitehead, um, yeah, I'm like, oh, he's the mole. He's a spy. <laughs> I was just waiting for it the whole right. time. Right. And you know, once again, once again, Chris Nolan does this thing where he, 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 he he rests a lot of information on a word that doesn't come up all that often in American English. Yeah, yeah. And, uh... Damn you Oxford English dictionary (laughs) reading teabagger. Right. Um, Yeah, no, in in Interstellar, the word blight comes up once Mm. as a very crucial explanation... I had never heard that word before. I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. Oh. So here also, yeah, a mole, I was just thinking, oh, a spy, okay. Yeah. Done. If, if only he had called it a beach, you know, or... The pier. The landing, anything. Yeah, anything. Yeah. Anything would have, been, would have been fine. And I kind of question even calling it the mole, given that eh, there's enough taking place in that segment, not on the pier.
1: Right, right.
0: That it, it it almost does need a broader title.
1: Yeah, um, I this is what I feel was probably. Going to, I'm I'm very much with you here. Is that I did not have that, and I'm a guy who has a great love of of words and the you know the nuances that are in a word and so on and so forth. So this was completely yes, off does, my folks. radar, completely off my radar, and so I just assumed yeah that we were looking at. And then later that seems to play in because those guys are like, look, he's French and he probably killed that guy. And um, it all starts to seem like it's going to turn. And then you go, oh, this is where that word is paying off. And then it didn't. And I went, I don't understand anymore. Um, and there seems to be sort of murky stuff that they're doing. Like, you know, when one of them goes downstairs in that boat and the other one stays up on the thing, you're right. thinking. Right. You're thinking well, something. like sabotage. Right. What's
0: going on here? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, and so if you take it – if you take away – if you understand what the word mole means, in some ways the movie becomes less interesting <laughs> because then it's all just face value. Um, but
0: – No pun intended.
1: Right. Oh, very funny. <laughs> but so, but the other thing I wanted to say, the other sort of nuance to it was that – or whatever – is that this is what I feel is probably the case, that that is um, what they – Colloquial, that colloquially, that's what it's known as. That the the you know Brits call it a mole, or maybe they did during that time, and that right. there's this element of hey, you you need to be part of the club in order to know this, and if you don't know it, then that's on you.
0: It's it it's that British superiority, thumbing Something their nose like at the rest of us and our. <laughs> woefully inadequate educational system.
1: Well, wait a minute. Is Chris Nolan British? Yes, I'm. I'm fairly okay. positive he is. It's funny. I never thought about it before. I don't think I've ever heard him speak, and it never sort of registered with me. Um, and now I'm f- fairly embarrassed that I even asked. So yeah, I'm with you there. That. That starting from that first title card, that was confusing, followed by every other title card. Well, it
0: wasn't, it wasn't confusing to me so much as it was just it, it set up expectations yeah. that, that precluded me a little <clears throat> bit from, from sort of feeling, for, for projecting myself being in this guy's shoes. Right. Because I'm just waiting for him to be a turncoat for 45 minutes.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and it set up expectations that were never going to come, never going to pay off for you. Um, but then I did not understand even slightly what the time references in all of those cards meant until I left the theater.
0: Oh, I go- oh no, I got that very shortly afterwards. Well, once the third one came up and I pieced together what he was doing, and I thought, oh, that's... <laughs> Once again, he lo- he loves playing with with perceptions of time and and the uh, the temporal order of storytelling yes, as he uh, did in Memento and right. uh, and uh, Inception, which has like the simultaneous levels at different time
1: yeah orientations.
0: Yeah. Um, and what's funny no, I is I thought that was just it, I thought that was just brilliant. I actually started. I was thinking. What other movies have done this? There's got to be something else that's done it and just didn't formalize it with title cards, like like Dunkirk did. And I can't think of any.
1: I totally got it in Inception. I had no trouble following those levels. I was, I was because it was very clearly
0: explained. Right, right. Because it was it was roadmapped for all of us. Well, except that I
1: I sat in and among people who didn't follow it, so. Um, I, I Not that I feel special, but I know that there are plenty of people who, even as it was as clearly road-mapped as it was in Inception, it still was tricky for others, some of others to follow. But um, I didn't get what he was doing until I was out, unfortunately, because I would have rather enjoyed it while I was watching it rather than being a little... Because, okay, so you're in the position where you figured it out, so... There were there weren't. Well, there there was nothing jarring about it for you. But in the case of a person like me, I did not know what to make of cutting between daylight scenes and nighttime scenes, and everything seemed to be happening simultaneously. I I didn't that did I didn't go oh now I get it we're in different I said I don't know what this is. I don't understand.
0: So what did so what did you make of the moment where we, we've seen Tom Hardy and he he sees his 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 friend has managed to safely land the plane and makes a hand gesture from the cockpit and he says, "Okay, great, he made it and then later on, we get to the other side of that scene, and it turns out that guy's not okay and is starting to drown um so how did that did that just the fact that we' like backed up an um, event that we had I, already covered did that what did that do for you
1: uh that was I'll Besides tell confusion. you right away i i didn't make i didn't immediately go oh that 's the guy that was tom hardy's friend. I just went that is a plane Whoa. somewhere somewhere in this thing that they're just finding and picking up and that it's a character we don 't know from before we didn't spend a lot of time with those guys with their helmets off in the beginning true enough to be able to ID them and since i don't know the actors, I knew Tom Hardy hmm. and that was it. So I was able to track him.
0: But at that point I think we were we were only down to two planes.
1: Two planes that were introduced to us, but I'm assuming that there was other action in this in this field. Those guys are on a boat ride that takes 9 hours or something to get across that channel. And so it could have been a plane from any other mm. type thing. It, uh, you you made that leap in the beginning uh, and so you were serviced by all that stuff. Um, in a way that I, I wasn't. So I had to sort of make up my own explanation for, for things. It was much harder for me to reconcile cutting between three or four areas of action that all appear to be happening simultaneously, but one of them is at night. And And so at first I thought, oh, that's some sort of a flashback or that's some sort of a whatever. And in a sense mm-hmm. it was, but not in the way we were thinking about it. I think the idea is brilliant. I was just too stupid to get the key early on the way you did. And so now that I'm done seeing the movie, I go, oh, gosh, I wish I'd realized that. But I don't think that going and watching the movie again for me will make me appreciate it that much more with that knowledge. Because Possibly not. I found it a very hard movie to watch uh, emotionally. And would have been would have been very excited by um, that the way that kind of device that kind of device and the way he's playing with time would have uplifted my soul in a way against the difficulty of what I was watching.
0: Now I'd really like you to expand on that uh, that that you found this to be an emotionally uh, challenging
1: piece. Um well emotionally challenging I understand what you mean although I don't like that phrase. Um oh, I didn't either. Yeah. yeah <laughs> as, as it came out of my mouth I was like that's nah, not the that's right the thing. Sucks. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um I uh maybe it's cuz I'm getting older or whatever not necessarily cuz this has been a bugaboo of mine for a while. There's a there's an Oxford English phrase for you. Bugaboo. Bugaboo. Yeah, I'm sure it's also somehow highly racist, and I apologize if it is. I'll go look it up and make sure uh, it's.
0: Oh, I was gonna say, I have a feeling I, I would be willing to bet it's not.
1: Oh no, I'm sure it's not. But uh, well, let's just take uh, being inside ships and watching people drown.
0: Yeah. That, um, that's...
1: Watching the, young, I... watching 20-year-old kids decide whether they want to drown or burn to death. Hmm. I mean, that's a pretty horrifying option. If I stay under the water and out of the fire, I will drown. If I go up, I'm covered in oil. I will burn. So these are rough. And the fact that the kid we're following manages to get up and get onto the boat, and he's safe, well, bully for him, but there are horrors going on in the water behind him.
0: And, uh, right, right. And uh, let me guess, there's nothing, nothing given that would make you care about that one character any more than all the dozens or hundreds of other people on screen Well, he's suffering a we, horrible death.
1: We started or you started this podcast talking about how sort of commending or whatever, at least noticing, elevating the fact that these guys were just every man, so they represented everyone. Yes. So there was nothing special about him. We didn't get any backstory that would make us happy that he made it rather than all the ones that didn't make it. So I'm not saying that, oh, he should have died too or everyone should have lived, but um, I, I, I don't just glibly see that kind of wholesale death. And, I mean, that, that was the second time it had happened because they were on the boat. The boat got hit. It started to sink. His buddy, instead of jumping off, goes up and un- opens the door, and he's able to escape with maybe one or two others. But there were 50 or 60 guys down there. Yeah. Plus all that bread and jam that must have been ruined.
0: Oh, so. man. <laughs> but Those old-fashioned slices of bread <laughs> that are, like, two inches thick.
1: There was a shot. That, you know, it's just everyone's sort of crowding around down there. There's a guy eating that bread. Yes. Like it was his last meal. And I was like, that is such a beautiful thing. Oh, my God. I love <laughs> that so much. Um, so that's, that's where I'm saying it's hard. That here are all these guys standing on this, this mole. <laughs> and, you know, planes are coming in and going to bomb it. And guys standing on the beaches and so on and so forth. But the mole is particularly bad because it's like, where are you going to go? Everyone is well, you packed know, together.
0: It's funny you say that because uh, there, there, was, there was one moment in there that had me raising my eyebrows a little bit, and it's a little detail. I'm not faulting the movie for it. It's, it's yeah. my ignorance of of uh, military strategy and survival techniques. But if a plane's going to strafe the area that you are in, yeah, doesn't lying down on the ground kind of increase the uh, surface area that you're making
1: available Um, to those plane shots? (laughs) I would guess so. I don't know enough about, like you say, all of that, but I do know this. It it makes it so it's not just your skull that's going to get hit. You know, if you're all standing up... In a crowd together, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you may be right that mm. lying, lying down is not not the move. I would say running to the – the plane is only going to go in a straight line. Run the other way. Run to the left or the right, but don't stay in the path.
0: Or run towards it.
1: Or run towards it. Yeah, that's kind of nervy, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm guessing that it's – I'm guessing that that's an accurate – Depiction. Oh, I, I can't imagine, with everything be. else going on, in the making of this movie, that that was the slip.
1: Was the big? Um, m-
0: I I just yeah. I I would just be curious uh, if any of our listeners care uh, <laughs> call right in. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just curious what the uh, what the, the the rationale is for yeah. that move. Um, I also I really loved the which by now I'm sure is, you know, they're probably using it in the trailer now, but it's, uh, when they're getting off the boat and that old blind man is passing out stuff and congratulates them. And they, you know, the one guy says, uh, you know, all we did was survive. And he said, that's enough. I thought that's, that's like, that's the whole movie. That's
1: yes. Yes. That was, I was going to circle back later to one or two moments that, uh, that really stood out for me, and that was one of them. But I'm gonna as long as you brought it up, I'll stop and dissect that a little bit more. I agree with you. It was it was the the old man's response that I thought was was touching and, and sweet. Um but that whole little sequence then includes the next beat, which is probably it's uh Theon Whitehead comes by next and the guy reaches out and touches his face. Now we realize he's blind. Right. And so, which is fine. And because everybody's doing their part, that's again, going back to that British thing. That guy could have stayed at home, but I can do something. I can hand out blankets, you know, whatever. Right. So right. love that. Um, and then yeah. subsequently a few minutes later, I'm sure you know where this is going. Uh, that I know where it's The going. first guy, I think that was Harry Styles, by the way, that, that character. I think so too, yeah. Um, yeah. Says, uh, you know, he couldn't even look us in the eye. Now, setting right, aside for the, you need... <laughs> setting aside for a moment that his buddy doesn't go, what are you talking about, asshole? He's blind. Uh, the, the friend doesn't help him out, <laughs> but I loved it because it so reveals the self sort of the self loathing that Harry Styles' character is feeling. Is that he's projecting oh, it onto that guy, and then he is internalizing it?
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't and, yeah, no, I didn't get that. I just was I I was just heartbroken at the the the, the silence from uh and Whitehead.
1: Yeah, there's correcting him about that, <laughs> you know. Yes, but then here's but 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 uh uh Nolan was trying to do something there because then, you know, um I wish I knew the name of that stupid character that 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 stupid boy singer played but doesn't matter. He then goes he he makes a comment about oh they're probably going to spit on us and he's like completely consumed right. by this feeling of cowardice and whatever. And so they're starting to right. build that up and up so that then when the kid reads the the statement from from uh, Churchill and mm-hmm. it's and it's full of openness and 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 pride and all of this. It's so that's that is that's to Put those two extremes next to each other. That this one guy is has built up all of this, these feelings of, of uh, you know, having let people down, and then having this very important figure from his country go, no, these guys are to be welcomed and they're to be congratulated, and they did a you know great thing. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's why it's puffed up there. But now, still circling back to the exchange between Harry and the blind man. Um, the poster, the tagline is, um, "Sometimes surviving is winning," mm. and so, and I had read that before going into the movie, uh, to which I, mm. <laughs> to which I thought, sounds like we're going to watch a movie about a bunch of losers, but um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they have to redefine what winning is, but. Um, yeah.
0: My kind of heroes don't get captured.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. My
0: heroes don't survive.
1: (laughs) So, anyway, possibly because I knew the tagline, I was uh, sort of bumped out of my, you know, being in the movie, feeling like the word survive was not a word that would have come out of that boy's mouth at that time. And that it would Hmm. be a truer, more colloquial thing to say, you know, all I did was get back. Or all I did was right. get here, get out with my arse, right, or something, T- which then only makes the response that more, that much more touching to me. So I, I'm very uh, tweaked by the word "survive," mm. and I wish it had been something plainer and simpler. Um, yeah, than, very interesting
0: than that the uh, movie's bookended with uh, single words of questionable <laughs> use.
1: Yes, um, I did. I did want to. Touch on one other moment, though, as long as I'm touching on moments, which is to jump back to the boat and um, Mark Rylance and that beat where um, Killian says, "You know, the boy is going to make it." By this time, he's already dead, and right. you're looking at the, you know, turtleneck. You're looking at red turtleneck, and it's like he's, based on the last outburst he gave, you're expecting to go, yeah. you know, "No, you blighter."
0: I know. I'm ready he's, for him to just tear he's, killing, he's to, dead, to, to kill, killing apart. Yeah.
1: yeah, And it's all your fault. And instead there's that long beat and then he goes uh, yeah, he's going to be fine. And just the look yeah, then that the father on. gives the son about like <sighs> that was the right thing to do. You did right. Yeah. Um, was yeah. Just, That just killed me. So I loved that there were those sort of little moments in here that were so sort of um, real and kind of... Uh, just touching
0: right without without capitulating to the way most mainstream movies would handle those moments right
1: right it was almost like it was thro- very obvious away. and yeah now uh you were about to shift on to something else, I think, or say something I interrupted you
0: not really no i uh you know i i didn't i didn't want this podcast to be, go longer than the movie itself <laughs> all right well there's. No no, 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 I just, no, no, no. I was just thinking, uh, are we, yeah, we've come full circle. Yeah, pretty
1: much. Did you
0: have I, anything else you wanted to say on it?
1: Well, I did want to do kind of, uh, my, uh, my, what we call it last, last takes, I think. We, I can't remember what we used to call. Final cuts. I don't know. Final take. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The final take. takes. Yeah.
0: A quick takes.
1: quick takes beginning, final takes end. Um, which is just that. It's sort of mine, but also I'm borrowing it from the, the aforementioned 17-year-old. Mm-hmm. I often find, you know, watching movies with somebody else much more sort of galvanizing than doing it alone. And then when I add it to be my kids, it it takes on another level, too. And it's a pretty, you know, somber, serious type movie. They're used to a lot of, um you know... Uh, superhero fair where, yeah, people die or people die off screen, but it's all sort of, you know, make pretend. And so this takes it to another kind of level for them. Right. And right. we were driving home, and <clears throat> he was saying that he had gone in, you know, with kind of a saving Your private. Son, this is... Yeah, my son. That he'd gone into the movie with a saving private Ryan-type anticipation. Mm-hmm. He had seen some trailers and he, you know, it looked kind of harrowing and he was sort of thinking about that, that D-Day landing in that movie, which is pretty intense. Yes, it is. He basically, his takeaway from Saving Private Ryan was not only is War Hell, but it's all kind of hopeless because, you know, all the guys that you get to know that are cool and good and interesting are going to die anyway. Um, and so he came out of this saying that he was really surprised that it had left him feeling hopeful. That hmm. it was that it was a war movie that that didn't you know sort of dampen his spirits, but he you know saw the that the just somehow that he was touched by the the bravery and the common man commitment and and all of those little things and and that there was that he found it as like a hopeful war movie, which he didn't think such a thing could be. Hmm. Because there really weren't... There were so many people in it who were trying so hard to do the right thing. Um, anyway. And so that kind of... Uh, that stayed with me, too. And and I feel like... I feel like this should be, uh, you know, put into the... Into the hall of, of modern-day war classics. I mean, I would put it right up there with, you know, something like... Uh, Saving Private Ryan as something that has both uh, brutality and humanity, and it was it was shockingly um, goreless. There was not blood. There was not just sort of horror, the way yeah. you, the way you got in those opening uh, the opening twenty minutes of Ryan. Yeah, um, that there was a lot of restraint, and it was a very mature and somber and thoughtful and hopeful movie. All right. So final, final take for you.
0: Uh, final takes, uh, terrific movie, pretty, uh, a pretty ballsy way of, uh, of doing a war movie, uh, handling a lot of the moments that come up, but, uh, well done. Well done, Mr. Nolan.
1: Absolutely. Um, Yes, I think we covered that. I, I do want to take just a quick minute to touch on another movie that I don't think you've seen, but that I'm not sure we're going to get a chance to get to. Because there's so much stuff out there coming up that we want to that we both want to dig into.
0: Yes, there um, is.
1: I, I saw over the weekend, I saw Baby Driver. Oh, and <laughs> yeah. and um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh Sorry, I've lost my mind for a minute. Um, I th- you know. No, no, go- you going lost in- your mind over the weekend no, when you saw weekend. Baby Driver. And <laughs> now stop that. Now come on, dude. Edgar Wright is perfectly respectable. I'm a huge fan of Shaun of the Dead and the and the Cornetto trilogy. Um, okay, all right. And you know John Barenthal from Walking Dead and John Hamm. He's you know. Uh, you know, Mr. Madman himself. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, there, you know, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. There, right. there, was,
0: there, was, cause. there yeah, was cause. There was cause.
1: There was cause. I concede. Despite the fact that Kevin Spacey was in it, I thought I'd go see it. Um. I, said, I didn't even know Kevin Spacey was in it. <laughs> Say what?
0: I didn't even know Kevin Spacey was in it. I didn't realize oh, this yeah, was yeah. his House of Cards hiatus project.
1: Right, right. <laughs> so anyway, what wh- and and here's the thing, is like if you had seen it, I would want to talk to you about it, but since you didn't see it, I don't want you to, to go to it. <laughs> but because it's not worth it for that, but I will say that um the way that they use music in this movie um hmm. is very different from anything I've I've seen before. Nobody in this movie really sings. But it's almost like a musical in the sense that, I mean, their whole thing in the trailer, if you've seen the trailer, is that what makes him the best driver in the world is that he, in, he you know, he has essentially he he drives to music. So anytime he's driving, hmm. you're hearing what he's got in his earbuds. But then beyond that, um, <clears throat> Edgar Wright, I'm sure, and whoever he worked with in the editing in the capacity of editing, have done just a phenomenal job of cutting the movie to the music. Hmm. Um, that that it's that, not that it's a music video, but that like there are like visual cues that occur with musical cues in in sync with musical cues that are just sort of like. Wow! in terms of how that would have had to have been planned ahead. Not like they could have just said, oh, let's pick this piece of music and lay it under this stuff we shot. They had to know what that music was when they shot it. You know they had to have a level of awareness that you don't usually see. There's this opening. It's kind of there's an opening action sequence, but then there's the credit sequence, which is just the kid going to get coffee and bringing it back to whatever the office, whatever it is. And he's got his buds in, and he is sort of boffing and dancing and just sort of happily moving through the streets the way you might imagine a young person wearing headsets would do. But like, um, there's a ton of choreography. Not, not choreography in the sense of dance, but just like, like in the song he's listening to, a horn, not a solo, but like, a, like a, an accent point in the music comes up with horns. And it occurs, okay. it's all a single shot. So it's a, this two-minute single shot going to this music. And that horn beat occurs when he's walking in front of a music store in which there are instruments suspended in the window, one of which is a trumpet. And so, at the very moment that that sting comes, he lifts his hands in the air as though he's playing a trumpet, but behind him is a trumpet hmm, and so uh, just sort of syncopated stuff like that all the way through with lyrics of the song appearing on posters that are plastered, plastered you know to buildings or to lampposts or just graffiti on the wall that as he walks by it, you see what. He's hearing you see written on the wall, and it's just just this this way that that's all integrated. I think that possibly it's worth just watching for that. You know, if you just you know can see catch it later on cable or whatever, stream it somehow for little or nothing, just to see that little bit because it's really interesting and fun. And then a lot of I can't you believe,
0: know, yeah, I, I can't believe you've actually made me interested <laughs> in seeing it
1: now. Uh, and having said that. I think that, uh, Edgar writes, this is, this is a script by him. And now that I've seen a couple of things that when Simon Pegg is not involved in the writing, it falls down.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and this starts off in a very kind of interesting and unusual way. And then it slowly becomes less interesting as it goes forward in terms of dramatically speaking. Hmm. Um, but still, you know Because I know that there's a focus in your life On music in a way there isn't on in mine So this isn't about Having a composer write a score This is about how they're taking actual movie mu- Actual music hmm. and plugging it into the Into the scene in an organic way So you're seeing these heists And these action scenes Cut to this music But in this, in this way that's beyond Just sort of MTV music video bull- bullshit it's hmm. at at another level. So, I just thought I just wanted to let you know that. So, if you get a chance to find your way to it somehow, um I th- right. that would be an interesting part to talk about and then we could bag on Kevin Spacey and some of the uh ridiculousness that goes on with <laughs> various <laughs> various characters. Um Okay. So. Is it is it
0: is it is it is one of those r- pieces of ridiculousness, the fact that a kid so young can drive a car like such an <laughs> expert?
1: Uh, well, they explain that by the fact that he's been, you know, boosting cars since he was, you know, 12 years old or nine or some ridiculously young age. I so thought he's, he's
0: 12 years old in the movie now. I thought that's <laughs> how old his character is, right? He's a baby driver.
1: He is that. He is that. Well, here's the thing. His name is Baby. His name is Baby. um, Wow. That doesn't help, by the way. No, I tried to. What I decided when I was watching it is that I was going to pretend that he was. Now I'm not going to remember this other actor's name. Watch me. I was going to pretend that he was Taryn Edgerton. Hmm. The whole time because I didn't like the actor playing this baby character very much. And so I was just going to pretend he was a different guy that's what got me through. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm that's all I had had to add. I'm sorry to, to tack on an extra 10 minutes to this thing, but I no, thought I'd cool. get it no, out no, of me. No. So no, let me no. let me know when you when and the if, if you catch is up, with this it. up. <laughs> All right, so I think we're we're basically there at the end and you and I'll talk and pick what our next uh, what our next thing will be. Yeah. there's so many good ones out there. I find, right now. I
0: find we have less to talk about when we like the movie.
1: I know. Sometimes. I said I said to, I said to my wife yesterday. I said, you know, when Greg and I finally do this, I'm going to pretend I hated it. <laughs> just to
0: just to play devil's advocate. Just for to play devil's
1: show. advocate. Yeah, exactly. For the electricity. I think one day of one of us should do
0: that as a prank and okay. just not reveal it until the very end. Right. Mm-
1: and that'll be the day we both said we thought it was terrible. Um, well, i tell you funny. what. Yeah. H- now, hate me will pour in. You know what? We don't even need to do it that way. We can just go see uh, Valerian, City of a Thousand Planets, and you're going to like it, and I'm going to hate it. <laughs> so, uh. Well,
0: it <laughs> sounds like we've got another Luke Basson Smackdown on our hands. <laughs> I think we do.
1: I think we do. Um, no, I would like to uh, talk about that I just don't want to have to see the movie to do it But I, I'm willing to, I'm absolutely willing to I'm To be, to to be honest place. with you Yeah To be honest with you
0: My expectations are low But they had me at City of a Thousand Planets <laughs> just, for the, just for that subheading, subtitle, right. whatever you want to call it I'm like, oh man, I wish I'd written that That's just, <laughs> yeah, okay
1: There you go. You got me. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for now. And until next time, the doctors are out. Yes.